Welcome to the 2020 Federal Executive Forum Series on Federal News Network, proudly celebrating 15 years. Here's your host, Luke McCormick. Good afternoon and welcome to this month's show. I'm Luke McCormack. During today's show, we will discuss progress being made in secure cloud computing in the federal government. With me on today's show are Paul Puckett, Director of Enterprise Cloud Management Office, U.S. Army. Karen Rigi, Chief Information Officer at the Director of the Defense Trade Controls, U.S. Department of State. Ashley Mahon, Secure Cloud Portfolio and FedRAMP Director at the General Service Administration. Joe Hamblin, Department of Defense, Chief Technology Officer at Verizon. Habib Harani, Team Lead Federal Solutions Engineering at Okta, and Nicholas Spies, Chief Federal Technologist at Snowflake. Well, this is a perfect subject and a perfect panel. We've got comms, we've got engineering, uh, identity management, we've got the, uh, the, the, the data play, and certainly have uh, three good uh, entities that are working on the various cloud computing capabilities. Paul, I'm going to start with you over at, uh, at U.S. Army. You just recently got appointed to the Enterprise Cloud Management Office. Congratulations, by the way. Let me start off by just asking you, uh, where, where, where are we uh, over there in regards to the, uh, the cloud computing play? So uh, the Army's been on a cloud journey uh, for a while now. So really, I'm just coming in kind of in the, the middle of the story, uh, if you will. The Army had put out a cloud strategy back in 2015, but a lot of what was driving the Army's adoption of cloud for the last five years has been really centralized around closing data centers and trying to move uh, to the cloud. But really the value of what cloud computing can provide the United States Army and its mission uh, was somewhat being left behind. Uh, and so with the creation of the Enterprise Cloud Management Office, which uh, luckily and thankfully and uh, I'm just honored to be here, I'm the first director of, we're shifting the focus from a cloud first methodology for the United States Army into more of a cloud smart and cloud native approach uh, to leveraging cloud. And so what this is really forcing us to do is really dive into the details of precisely how our systems have been designed, uh, you know, who our customers are and some of the challenges that they've been seeing, uh, and some of the constraints of having designed a capability literally intended to fit in a box and how we start to leverage the scale and elasticity uh, of the cloud and then build resilience into our applications to be able to adapt uh, to this dynamic world that we're living in. Uh, and so with the ECMO, it, it's really just coming in and kind of shaping the, the lessons learned over the last couple of years uh, and really applying those lessons learned uh, in a more optimized strategy where we see the true benefits of cloud shining through for the Army. And this was captured in our data XORD. Uh, it's also captured in the data plan that the Army published. Uh, and it's also captured in the cloud plan specifically uh, that's going to be published that my office drafted. Um, and the entire focus there is on the people uh, and the services and the new processes and even perhaps the new way that we need to organize ourselves in order to uh, bring the full power and value of the cloud to bear for the United States Army. It's interesting because the Army being so massive, right, and, you know, just as they have a mastery of supply chain logistics, et cetera. It's almost the same sort of thing in a, in a cloud environment, trying to implement something that across the globe in very disparate places, et cetera. Um, I'm sure that's a, a, a daunting task. <laughs> it, it very much is a daunting task. Uh, but one of the threads that uh, I've been really leaning into is we really need to be effective first before we focus on being efficient. When you think about the large scale of the army, I think sometimes we're, we're scared into putting out in, you know, 
to some written order of thou shalt must be this certain way uh, that maybe is the best thing that we understood at that point in time and sharing it globally. And with the dynamic you know, learning that we're having in the cloud is how do I actually get that new feedback out to the force immediately? That's a huge challenge, especially when you are global like the United States Army. Uh, so part of adopting the methodologies for moving to the cloud, one of the best uh, pieces of feedback is start small and learn and then grow that effectiveness across your agency. And so that's precisely what we're doing. Uh, and so that's also codified in our data and cloud strategy. When we talk about setting the conditions for us to apply lessons learned at Army scale, and that's phased throughout uh, this current fiscal year uh, into FY21, where we're gonna be focusing on the, the priorities and how we wanna apply lessons learned there immediately uh, for our mission. And then we wanna bring that value to scale for the Army. Sure, um, I mean, so it's bit, iterate, 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 right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Karen, uh, let's let's toss it over to you, and you can tell us uh, what, what's happening over there at the uh, Department of State in the uh, in the directorate that you're working in. But I'd like to just take a couple minutes. I know you've done this a couple of times, but I think it's worth repeating because some folks may know what that organization does. Others that have worked with it uh, in the past, uh, myself and others included. Uh, however, uh, it's a uh, it's a very important part of the Department of State. And people a lot of times think about the Department of State, you know, Dep diplomatic security, consular affairs. Give us two minutes on what, you're, you, what that organization does and then talk to us about what you're doing in regards to enabling it with cloud computing. Sure, thank you very much. Uh, so the Directorate of Defense Trade Controls is part of the Political Military Bureau at the Department of State. And what we do is we work with the interagency that includes DOD and uh, commerce, and we basically adjudicate licenses for U.S. exports of everything that's on the United States munitions list. Uh, and so it, it's, a, it's a big deal in terms of the mission of making sure that what we're doing is providing export authorization only to those programs and, and deals that, um, that make sense uh, for national security. Um, and so we basically had a, a really antiquated set of um, on-premise solutions uh, that were in a um, private network and, and really didn't have a lot of transparency even to our own workforce. And so I came on board about uh, five years ago with the charge of modernizing uh, the organization. And you know, this is an organization that adjudicates um, billions of dollars uh, worth of um, defense articles and services, um, hundreds of billions of dollars. And so it was really, really important that we get this right. And the data is really um, very, um, you know, we're, it's, it needs to be, you know, the systems need to be secure because um, the data, the technical data is really important. Um, and, and we don't want that to be in the wrong hands. And so just last February, um, just a few months ago, we finalized the launch of these cloud native applications. And we're using a, a variety of different cloud platforms, including uh, Microsoft Azure Government Cloud, uh, ServiceNow, Box, Okta, and Tableau. And that's what we've done in the first phase of this. And so we started out small, like 
like Paul was talking about. And we did some of the easier applications um, two or three years ago. And like I said, in February, we did our main applications and those are in um, Microsoft Azure Government Cloud. Um, and, and so all of this is native cloud applications. So we rebuilt, um, we rebuilt everything. And we also, um, as part of that process, we looked at you know, how are we doing our business um, and, and using different technologies to make sure that our data is more transparent um, to our users, you know, that we can do more reporting, that we can um, have industry partner with us in ways that they were never able to do before in terms of more real-time uh, communication about an, a, a license. So if we had, if we need additional information, uh, we can do that in real time uh, and, and, and make it more efficient. Um, and, and I also agree with what Paul said, just in terms of you, know, you want to be effective and then, and then efficient. And we're sort of on this journey of, of working with industry and working with our internal stakeholders to do just that, to make it um, more than just effective, to make it more efficient now so that we can um, adjudicate licenses and, and registrations and, and other items that we, that, that, that we do um, quick, more quickly, because you know, that really matters in terms of um, the industrial base being competitive, is to be able to, uh, to do this quickly uh, so that we can be attractive in the global marketplace. Sure, and super important mission. And it sounds like you hit the reset button, took a lot of, uh, took advantage of a lot of great emerging and, 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 uh, and modern technology and, and now have a much better customer experience, right? I'm sure both internally within the State Department and externally to the people that are using those services. And that's what it's all about, right? Uh, yeah. Ashley, speaking of goods and services and, uh, and iterating, et cetera, I think you're the master at this, right? Uh, you've taken that program and continued to iterate it, gotten feedback through the ideation and, and continue to evolve it and grow it and, uh, and um, um, uh, adapt to uh, the merging uh, needs and uh, regarding the different types of demands on the, uh, on, the, uh, on the FedRAMP services. So tell us what's up over there. Thanks, Luke, and many thanks for having me today. So as a program, we continue to see tremendous growth in both agencies and cloud providers that are participating in the program. I think today we have a little over 190 authorized cloud products uh, within the FedRAMP marketplace, uh, which is a huge milestone for us. Uh, we've come a long way uh, in, in, in our time that, um, since 2011-2012 since timeframe. And really, like he said, attribute this growth to building a culture that prioritizes continuous improvement. And we, we look to our customers for ideas like we did last summer with the ideation challenge on, on how to improve their customer experience, um, but also how can we improve the authorization process? How can we make it faster? How can we make it more efficient? Um, and really as a result of that, we, we just launched the FedRAMP Agency Liaison Program which is designed to transform the way that FedRAMP informs and collaborates with, with federal agencies. Um, prior to this program, a lot of our engagement was one-on-one -on -one, or we would bring, bring agencies in for larger training sessions. And really with, with this, we recognize that agencies play such a critical role in the success of the program that we wanted to exponentially grow that knowledge sharing across government. And so by bringing in a liaison from each agency, and we have roughly 30 now, 
We want to provide them the resources, the training, um, and also the collaboration space where we can all work together to have a unified understanding of the program and push latest information out about the program to them um, so they can then go back to their agencies and train their colleagues. So we're really excited about that. And also it was really important for us, again, keeping in mind feedback, uh, getting those feedback channels in place, very important for us. Um, this group also serves as a great group to provide us feedback um, regarding anything that we're thinking about with the program or any you know shifts that we're thinking about making. Um, really looking forward to collaborating with this group. And I think that's great. I mean, you know, it's almost like this auxiliary PMO organization, right? It's this community out there. And, you know, even things like the reciprocity, right? You know, we've said over and over, the jab can't certify every one of these things. We need to, in order to scale this, we need to have that reciprocity, which was the, the intent of the program, so that you could scale this thing out. And I think that's really important to do that. Joe, um, you can't do cloud without comms, and I'll tell you, you all are doing a fantastic job of, of trying to keep up with that demand and making sure the connectivity is there, implementing things like 5G, et cetera. Tell us about what's going on in regards to cloud computing at Horizon and how you all see it and how you fit into this ecosystem. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, Verizon, we're known for the communications and the network infrastructure. Uh, and we continue, as you mentioned, you know, 5G, we continue to enhance that. And I'll address some 5G enhancements uh, later on. But we're also, uh, as cloud moves out and we're working with our customers, we're moving more now into the middleware as well. So now we provide the infrastructure, uh, the low latency, the availability, and, you know, to support that, as well as now you know, we, we work with our customers now to provide uh, you know, the, the support for the middleware uh, as they move like the gentleman from the Army had mentioned, you know, these, these, the government now, instead of just moving an application like Gmail to the cloud, now they're moving whole you know, IT segments to the cloud. So we're, we're working uh, with our partner, business partners and, and customers you know, to enable them to, to move uh, you know, their, their Active Directory environment or all their other applications you know, to the cloud. And when you do that, you, start, you have to address things like latency. You know, we bring in some you know, edge access computing to address the latency issues. Um, and we, we also are, we get into the, some of the 5G aspects, we, we will talk about how we, we can do what's called slicing, where we can, we can now, we can, we can send video over one stream, separate, isolated from another stream. We've also, as we deploy this solution, we've rolled in our zero trust infrastructure now as part of our deployment of these solutions. The framework we've built, like our 5G is built on, on zero trust. Right, and a lot of that uh, technologies, particularly 5G, sort of incorporates a lot of these advanced security features. And speaking of advanced security features, Habib and uh, uh, Zero Trust, it was interesting. I was talking uh, at a panel session yesterday with uh, listening to uh, Grant Snyder, the federal CISO, talking about the various things and identity management and just the whole play around that, even in a zero trust environment more so, how important that is in this new sort of ecosystem. Uh, tell us, uh, uh, give us 30 seconds on what Okta is, and then how do you fit into this ecosystem to enable these capabilities? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me, Luke. And so Okta is an identity and access uh, management provider, software as a service. Um, happy to say we do hold a FedRAMP ATO for moderate, and we're, we're working on moving up to high. Um, and so for us, it's all about ensuring that the right person is accessing the right application under the right conditions. Um, and as part of Zero Trust, continually monitoring that and whether it's signing on with a PIV card or multi-factor or 
some other context, right? Using all that to make and to allow our, and our customers to make informed decisions. Um, so when you start to look at, you know, the progress being made in cloud computing today and kind of echoing what Karen and Paul and Ashley and Joe have already said, um, a lot of it is really, I think there's three things that we're seeing or that I'm seeing. Um, one is increased collaboration, right? Right now, especially now, given the geopolitical climate, interagency, um, interagency communications is becoming key, right? How do you share that information? How do you share it effectively? How do you make sure the right person has the right access to the right information? Um, so increases in collaboration across not just government agencies, but also state and local right now, I think is, is a big shift that we're starting to see um, improved efficiencies in, and the cloud is the backbone for a lot of that. Um, I think as part of that as well, and, and you know, I'm happy to say, I think Karen and State, they, they were ahead of the curve on this, but we're quickly starting to see increased efficiencies in the delivery of information through partner portals or stakeholder access. So when you're trying to access that information that's being delivered in AWS or Azure or even you know, Snowflake, right? Making sure that, that that end user experience is as clean, as efficient as possible, um, so as not to, to cause any undue friction. Um, and I think the third is, and I think Paul and Joe mentioned this, was starting to leverage the cloud for what it's really good at and increased high availability, increased resiliency in, the, in your network and your applications and shifting that burden from your data centers and putting that up into the cloud and letting it do what it does well. So now you become more mission focused on delivering the application and less focused on shoot, am I going to have the bandwidth that I need to deliver this application if I have a landslide event? Am I going to have the, the storage or, or the ability to, to pool and, and, and query that storage for all this data that I'm now aggregating for everything that I'm doing? So I think those are some of the, the cool trends that we're starting to see. Yeah, you really want to, I mean, look, any CIO wants to be able to extract themselves from that and focus on delivering to the mission, right? Enabling the, uh, the customer experience, et cetera. And I would imagine these tools also allow for some of those personas and, and uh, authorities in regards to not only who you are uh, in regards to identity management, but what you're capable of doing and changing that dynamically, et cetera, delegating authorities, those sort of things, right? Absolutely. That's, I mean... I think as a byproduct of that, we're starting to see increased efficiencies and in automation of that delivery, right? Exactly what you said. So as, for example, you know, Paul just moved into this new role at Army. Well, all right, now that he has this new role, that probably comes with additional entitlements. So making sure that what he wasn't supposed to have access to before, he now has access to. What he should have lost access to, he loses, right? And whatever needs to stay the same, he maintains that access that he already had. Exactly, exactly. Well, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Network. Advancements in technologies present federal agencies with both opportunities and challenges. At Verizon, we embrace those challenges. Verizon invests billions in our global networks every year to deliver secure data reliably. Our advanced communication solutions and modern call centers connect your workforce and citizens in the office, in the field, and internationally. We're committed to modernization that delivers better mission results faster. Verizon, we don't wait for the future, we build it. Verizonenterprise.com slash federal IT. Snowflake is the cloud data platform. 
Federal agencies require modern business agility and secure data insights to leverage data as a strategic asset across multiple clouds. With Snowflake, agencies can focus on putting data to use with unlimited scale and speed on the centralized data platform that satisfies the strictest compliance and security requirements. Start your journey toward data-driven decision-making at snowflake.com federal. That's snowflake.com federal. Okta, helping protect your agency's remote workforce and ensuring government employees, contractors, and partners have simple and secure access to mission-critical applications from any device at any time. Okta allows you to create granular access policies based on user, device, network, and location context, as well as implement strong multi-factor authentication across all apps and VPNs. Learn more at OKTA.com slash telework. Welcome back to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Network. With me on today's show are Paul Puckett, U.S. Army, Karen Reeg with Department of State, Ashley Mahon, General Services Administration, Joe Hamblin with Verizon, Habib Harani with Okta and Nicholas Speece with Snowflake. We're going to throw it over to you, Nicholas. We were talking about big programs and how we're rolling them out. How do you all fit into that environment? Give us 30 seconds on what Snowflake is, and then how do you enable this capability? Yeah, uh, thanks for having me back, Luke. It's always great to see you guys. And this is an awesome panel. Uh, it's pretty much everybody that I need in a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, Snowflake is, a couple weeks ago, I would have said it was a, the first uh, cloud-native data warehouse. But as of the second, we re-released ourselves as a cloud-native data platform. We added a bunch of uh, phenomenal data sharing capabilities, a private marketplace and exchanges that are available to enhance the collaboration that Habib was talking about. Um, the reason why the panel is so great is because everybody in the room uh, is, is part of a very important ecosystem. Uh, Snowflake has always been integrated with Okta for identity access and management. We still continue that relationship today. In fact, we couldn't do the data sharing in the government that we do without them. Uh, and we couldn't do it without uh, Ashley's organization either uh, working towards that FedRAMP moderate to bring in data from Paul and Karen uh, and using Joe's network. So uh, Snowflake is a central place for all data all the time, structured, unstructured, and semi-structured. Uh, some great capabilities just came out. Uh, we'd like to be the glue where the data lives. Fantastic, you know, and, and, uh, and it is all about the data, right? Once we get into this sort of a autonomous sort of environment here, right, and uh, in, in a hybrid uh, computing type of capability, uh, it's really focused on the data, which is what Zero Trust is all about, correct? Absolutely, trying to integrate the gobs of data that it takes, and it really is a massive amount of data to do that very, very well and to enhance security by things we know about people, not just what they know about themselves. That takes data at scale that really only the cloud and solutions like Snowflake can afford to give you. 100%. Well, we're gonna switch over and talk about specific programs. I'm gonna throw it over to you, Karen. Give us an example. I know you have many, but you've been, uh, uh, doing some quick work over there at the State Department, but give us one example of a program that you've implemented using this technology. Yeah, I think the best example I can provide is this de uh, defense export control and compliance system. Uh, we refer to it as DEX, and it really uh, is, is a program where uh, we've taken all of these different technologies, including Okta and Tableau and ServiceNow and um, 
and Azure. So we've done some custom applications in Azure, but then we've we've really integrated all of it. So Okta is you know the authentication provider for all of it and basically provides uh, that access to folks um, both internally and externally to all of our constituents. And so all the regulatees, I mean, we have about, I don't know, 30,000 right now. We just um, launched this system, uh, its final phase in February, which is where most of the users reside because that's where we launched the registration and the licensing component of this. And, and this has just been a game changer both for industry, which, you know, it's just easy for them to get into the system, to interact with the system. And then with all of us teleworking, I mean, this has been a game changer for the Department of State, the directorate itself, because before this, we would not have been able to continue the mission. Uh, absolutely would not have been able to. And, and because of these cloud technologies and just amazing timing, we were able to actually go and telework and continue to meet the mission. Um, and this is a, I, I can't tell you how happy I am that we were able to make that deadline. Um, you know, it was President's Day weekend um, and, and, you know, we did it and it was so exciting um, to allow. And, and now we have this, we have this data transparency. Uh, we're able to, you know, before we would have to go into the office and transfer data over to, uh, to Customs and Border Protection. Now we just do it on the cloud. We can basically do all of that, um, you know, from the home office. Right, right. And, and, and instantly and securely. It just warms my heart as a former federal CIO to see all this modern technology being used to, to enable these great customer experiences. Habib, let me throw it over to you and give us an example of a program that perhaps you, ACTA is working on or has worked on uh, that's a great example of this technology being used to to sort of further the mission. Yeah, um, so I think Karen did a great job summing up what state's doing. But I think now we're, we've actually, we're involved in, I want to say three or four COVID response scenarios. And it, it's literally, it's all about delivering the data, right? So we're working with programs um, that working with all 50 states, multiple uh, federal agencies and they have huge data aggregation platforms that they're using um, and they've got to get that information out. They've got to make sure that people know what the numbers are, hospital bed, bed availability and delivering that access to, to that information and making sure that, you know, the state of Virginia sees the state of Virginia's bed availability versus the state of Florida, Maryland, et cetera. So delivering all that information as quickly and efficiently um, and what was cool is leveraging the cloud, we were able to deploy this in, in weeks. I mean, at, with one of the agency, we literally did the Octa deployment in over the weekend. Right, it, and goes then, from, it literally goes from years and months to months and weeks and days and hours yep. in some cases, right? Uh, it's it, fantastic. And it's a whole new speed and agility that I think the federal government is now embracing where that traditional hey, we've got to step through this a certain way that adds time and complexity. The government's being far more responsive to, hey, no, we have a mission that we need to deliver. Let's get the mission done. And oh, by the way, there's do ways to do it that still maintain compliance. 100%. Ashley, uh, speaking of speed and agility and iteration, et cetera, uh, give us an example of a specific program that you all are implementing or have implemented 
that's really sort of, you know, ticked you up over there in regards to enabling the FedRAMP capabilities? Sure, you know, FedRAMP, we have a great bird's eye view into agency cloud usage across government. And we've mm -hmm. seen agencies now more than ever uh, are moving to the cloud and really using this program. Um, so it's so great to hear uh, Karen's story. Uh, it just it just brings me joy, um, as well as Habib and the impacts that they're making there. Um, and what we're seeing is during this increased time of um, remote working, right? We've seen significant surges in the number of authorization packages that have been reused, agency and cloud service provider participants in our, in our training events, and just a huge uptick in our daily um, meetings and interactions that we have with both industry and, and agencies. And you know, cloud technology, and I think all my panelists will agree with me, and cloud technology has been a huge enabler of working in this remote environment at this time. And as an example, it might sound really simple, and I think Luke, you touched on this, but being able to communicate with one another um, is a critical function during this time of remote work. And the FedRAMP marketplace, we've got multiple cloud products, right, that offer collaboration capabilities that include like chat and crowdsourcing and messaging and video conferencing. Um, and you know, we've seen just across the board since March, right, um, a huge uptick, about 1,600 FedRAMP uh, access requests, right, for agencies that want to get access to these security materials and really start, you know, start the process in using, you know, using these cloud products. So, you know, we want to continue to build the marketplace. Um, we want to offer a wide range of products, right, to re promote remote access, um, scalability, and collaboration. And, you know, we're just really looking forward to uh, supporting the agencies, right, in their IT modernization efforts. Right place at the right time. Mm -hmm. Joe, how about over at Verizon? Can you give us an example of a, a, a program that you all are working on that's really sort of uh, uh, changed the game in regards to uh, enabling an agency's mission? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, some of the several of the panel members like Karen Hadid, uh, mentioned some great great points sort of set me up you know, regarding COVID and the rapid response and you know I think COVID really uh, launched uh, you know cloud and made it you know without without cloud infrastructure I don't think we'd be able to operate as efficiently as we are today so some things that Verizon done we, we have different customers civilian side and the DoD side uh, and, and the Department of Defense side you know they, they are like as Paula mentioned you know, they're 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 I think they're looking sort of more looking forward and they're moving their whole IT infrastructure out um, you know we so we've we've enabled uh, them leveraging our, our other partners we've also had dynamically uh, provided more more bandwidth you know as as customers you know, some customers have been planning to add uh, you know net more network infrastructure. Uh, but, but they were they didn't need it until now. Now everyone's working remote, so that has driven a lot of the Verizon's particularly uh, position. You know, we can we can dynamically in a very rapid fashion and hours can provide additional bandwidth. On the civilian side of government, we had a, a lot of our customers. You know, today in the cloud environment, have moved their CRM, you know, ServiceNow environments into the cloud, be it in Azure or AWS, and and that has allowed them to be very dynamic and and scale. Uh, and that was shown to be very effective, you know, through the COVID response, uh, where you know, where it was seamless. You know, they they could uh, orchestration. You know, resources were spun up as needed. The, the network matched it. Um, so I think those are all very very important aspects and allowed our customers, you know, today to be able to respond uh, efficiently and timely to you know to the COVID uh, emergency. 
you know, this is this essentially on-demand bandwidth that's available, just like the on-demand computing and the cloud computing has really sort of a, it's a great pairing there to, to allow a lot of these capabilities to happen very quickly. Paul, let's throw it over to you in regards to a specific program. I know it's early over there. Um, perhaps it's there or in, in your prior life. I know you've had a, a couple of different real key roles. But give us an example of a program that, uh, that you have implemented or are starting to implement that's really going to change the way the Army operates. Yeah, so I mean, while, while I'm new, uh, the Army's not new to cloud, um, I think there's probably two really great uh, stories here. Uh, one, with uh, the COVID response and the dynamic response that the United States Army had to bring to bear in both the National Guard as well as the Army Corps of Engineers, uh, we had a massive logistics challenge on our hand, but we also had a challenge of bringing in new data sets because we were essentially uh, having to make decisions uh, in context of information that we didn't necessarily have. Uh, and so had that had to rely on our typical acquisition process for compute and storage or a typical requirements process within a contract, uh, we would have not have been able to respond the way that we were able to. Uh, and so one of the key players there was our Vantage program. Uh, which is a cloud-enabled capability today uh, that is essentially uh, a real-time common operating picture for various feeds of information across our logistics supply chain that we were then able to overlay uh, with key personnel data as well as uh, 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 protective uh, equipment information when we talk about how we're going to respond to specific locations or even for our stand-up of hospitals in specific locations. And so we were able to dynamically scale that infrastructure in order to support those needs in real time. Um, and I think that also is a, a great parallel to another effort that was able to dynamically scale, uh, which is an effort that my office is bringing to bear that we call C-Army, which is our uh, general purpose cloud environment because a number of initiatives that needed to start to leverage cloud computing capabilities and its dynamic nature, uh, essentially we're recreating the components of the secure cloud computing architecture. And so during this response, even if with COVID, we were able to onboard the uh, Human Resources Command, uh, as well as uh, the Enterprise Resource Planning Modernization effort uh, for the United States Army uh, without skipping a beat. Super duper focus there on uh, enabling that capability, which is just awesome. Nick, how about you over there at uh, Snowflake? Uh, Give us an example of where you're enabling uh, um, uh, an agency or mission. Yeah, happy to. Uh, so Snowflake, uh, with our new data sharing stuff, one of the, the largest benefits we brought to bear, and I'll, I'll stick with the COVID theme for a moment, is uh, Snowflake joined the COVID Alliance. We're a founding member of that program. Uh, we were basically giving uh, the capability to store uh, everything from diagnostic data to abstract case data uh, from John Hopkins University and the World Health Organization, but also uh, holding a more close hold data set that is used for researchers to understand and better treat the disease. Uh, on our commercial side, fully open side, uh, one of our partners, Star Schema, came out with a COVID-19 data set that is being consumed by state governments all across the U.S. And the important thing with that and what I love about uh, our new capabilities in the data platform is that Snowflake is able to share that same single data set in real time with every other cloud and cloud provider in the states. So our state of California, the government was able to share from Microsoft Azure government into commercial AWS West to some other agencies in the state of California that needed that data. Um, there's complete auditability secured by Okta for authentication and single sign-on, but all of that data is in one place 
with real-time access, no FTPs, it's uh, far more secure than it would be otherwise. So we're Which, very, very excited we were able to help. It's awesome. I mean, the, the, the dream of sort of this fungibility with the data is starting to come true, which is just awesome and, and super necessary. We're going to roll into priorities. I'm going to start with you, Ashley, and uh, give us uh, the priorities for the upcoming year. We're all dying to know. Thanks, Luke. So uh, as we talked a little earlier, you know, in 2019, we launched the FedRAMP ideation challenge, and that was really to solicit feedback on how can we improve the authorization process um, and the overall FedRAMP experience for, for our customers. And really, we heard three main themes, and these themes are continuing. Uh, we're continuing to work on these, you know, uh, over uh, in, FY, or in FY20 and going into fiscal year 21. Um, but automation, right? How can we improve uh, more or less a more or less manual automation or authorization process um, and how can we incorporate automation into into uh, the way that we do things here as well as provide more opportunities to connect with our stakeholders so increasing um, our uh, outreach and involvement with our stakeholders like uh, launching our agency liaison program um, and then the third one is you know providing for further guidance and clarity into the process and the security requirements that are uh, within the within the FedRAMP baseline. So just to touch briefly on the automation front, we are working very closely with the National Institute of Standards and Technology on something called OSCAL. Um, and what this is is we're developing a standard XML and JSON-based language um, that and um, that we are, uh, that can be used, right, um, to develop these security materials. So right now they're in a more or less a, a word format, um, which, which is very difficult to be read by machines. And so we think that if we can have this standard, um, you know, uh, develop the standard baseline that these materials are put in as well as the controls, right, that are uh, within our baselines, you know, that's really going to set that foundation for future automation efforts, for future tools to be created or scripts, right, to help develop some efficiencies with the authorization process. Um, we're also looking to uh, redesign our digital presence, right? We understand this authorization process can be complex and we do not, we want it to be as simple as possible. So we're looking right now at redesigning FedRAMP.gov, um, pushing the right information out to our stakeholders um, so they can easily find the resources that, that they need in order to be successful. And then finally, um, just one event that we've got coming up. Um, we uh, we recently just held um, our information system security officer training, which is which was wildly successful. We had over 300 agency participants, um, which was great. And we have another one scheduled here at the end of this month. Um, and also, we have an event for our audit community. We call them third-party assessment. Um, organizations. This is the group that is charged with actually doing the independent um, verification validation, more or less that audit on uh, these cloud products. Um, and we're planning on an event uh, with them uh, this, this fall. So for anyone that is interested in, in, in um, collaborating with us and joining these events, please email us at info at fedramp.gov. A lot of good stuff going on over there at the FedRAMP program. Well, we're going to take another short break. You're listening to the Federal Executive Forum on the Federal News Network. Okta, helping protect your agency's remote workforce and ensuring government employees, contractors, and partners have simple and secure access to mission-critical applications from any device at any time. Okta allows you to create granular access policies based on user, device, network, and location context, as well as implement strong multi-factor authentication across all apps and VPNs. Learn more at OKTA.com. 
com slash telework. Snowflake is the cloud data platform. Federal agencies require modern business agility and secure data insights to leverage data as a strategic asset across multiple clouds. With Snowflake, agencies can focus on putting data to use with unlimited scale and speed on the centralized data platform that satisfies the strictest compliance and security requirements. Start your journey toward data-driven decision-making at snowflake.com federal. That's snowflake.com federal. Advancements in technologies present federal agencies with both opportunities and challenges. At Verizon, we embrace those challenges. Verizon invests billions in our global networks every year to deliver secure data reliably. Our advanced communication solutions and modern call centers connect your workforce and citizens in the office, in the field, and internationally. We're committed to modernization that delivers better mission results faster. Verizon, we don't wait for the future, we build it. VerizonEnterprise.com slash federal IT. Welcome back to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Network. We're talking about cloud computing, secure cloud computing. And we were talking about priorities. Habib, can you give us some priorities for uh, the next year in regards to, uh, to, to ACTA? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one of our top priorities is actually continuing to, to grow our accreditation. So we currently hold that FedRAMP moderate ATO. Uh, we have high um, slated. We're in flight right now for uh, JAB authorization, FedRAMP JAB for uh, our ATO as well. Um, we're in flight for IL-4, looking to take down IL-5 right after that. So a, a lot of our priorities are focused around continuing to grow that accreditation for Okta so that we can be leveraged by more organizations within the government. Um, I think remaining agile and increasing that agility is, is another priority for us. So, you know, one of the things that I think is a, a, a big win for Okta is our, our neutrality, right? We don't care if you want to leverage AWS, Azure, Oracle Cloud, Google Cloud. Um, so uh, continuing to allow and continue to develop more features to support those split workloads, like Nick was saying, where maybe part of your application is in Azure, the part of the application is in Snowflake or some of the data is in Snowflake, um, and part of it's in, in AWS, right? You're still going to front end that with one app, but having that access across multiple platforms um, and continue to leverage that. I think uh, the customer identity, the SIAM enablement is another big theme for Okta and continuing to grow that, allowing our federal customers to not only push that or enable other federal agencies, but civilian as well to, to leverage and, and more smoothly interact with the government. Sure, um, sure. And I think continuing to grow our PIV and CAC support, um, we, we don't see that going anywhere. Um, what we're starting to see now is with, especially given COVID, CAC still reigns supreme in a lot of scenarios, but there are scenarios where we need to be able to support access without the CAC. Or without Absolutely. The Absolutely. Um, so uh, continuing but, to develop that. Sure. Uh, let me throw it over to Karen and uh, get some priorities for the year for uh, what you're doing over there at the State Department. Yeah, I would say that uh, there's a couple of things, and all of this has really been touched on already in the program, but uh, some of our vendors are not uh, yet FedRAMP high, and we have FedRAMP high data, so uh, we'll be looking forward to incorporating that. We have um, Microsoft Azure government, which is high in service now, so very excited to hear that it's a priority for Okta to go to the 
FedRAMP high. Um, and then the second thing is, is something that's really been talked about a lot, which is we really want to enhance our, our data sharing, both with industry, make that easier, and also with, um, with our industry partner, I mean, with our government partners. Um, and the government partners, of course, are um, Department of Homeland Security, as well as uh, DOD and Department of Commerce. And so that whole data sharing is a really important piece because right now um, we do that manually in, in a lot of contexts because it's on different networks. And so we're very excited about our colleagues over at DOD um, potentially using um, cloud uh, and, and that will make that a lot easier for us to share that data. So that's, those are the two main things that we're focusing on in the coming year. Two really important ones. Paul, top two priorities at Army. Top two, so I'll give it to you in two different frameworks. One is for my office uh, with the Enterprise Cloud Management Office, is setting the conditions for the United States Army to gain value from cloud uh, in the coming years. And so in order to set those conditions, we're striping our efforts across people, process, and technology. From a technology standpoint, it's bringing the common services to bear that everyone needs to function in a cloud environment, the standard tools for building software, and the common tools that we need to manage our data. And so those three pieces are really the foundational technologies that we need to bring to bear and understanding that it's going to change our processes for how we acquire and build in field software uh, to allow our soldiers to be more lethal and more ready in the battlefield. And then finally, for the third point is the people uh, is uh, we can't outsource everything. We need to establish the core competency uh, to be able to fight and win in a digital age. And so uh, my take on the, the data is the new ammunition uh, kind of framework that people had is data is the ammunition, software is the weapon system, and every single soldier needs to be able to put rounds on target. And so we need to set the conditions for that vision to become true. Every single soldier needs to be a cloud warrior, right? Uh, Joe, top two priorities for Verizon. I think without a doubt, the focus for our Verizon is going to be 5G. 5G is, is out now. It's going to continue to expand. Um, it's going to allow uh, customers to, to you know, uh, provide security, the low latency, like I said, the multi-edge uh, architecture. And now it used to be that, you know, you, you had your workstation, you had a cloud, and it wasn't responsive. There was a lot of latency. Now with our edge technology, we're bringing that down, collapsing that down, leveraging the 5G capability. So now, uh, you could do virtual desktop you know, through the cloud. Another, another solution we're deploying that we're focused on is software-defined perimeter. The software-defined perimeter, it, what we're doing now is we're getting into a much more zero architecture, zero trust model for how the user access the application. It used to be VPN. They had to get a VPN, they get access to the entire network. The software-defined perimeter now, we have application application, uh, you know, point-to-point -point, uh, access control. We're also leveraging quantum safe technology. So trying to look, look forward to the future about some of the potential uh, vulnerabilities of our you know, current crypto. And so by leveraging the, the uh, quantum safe crypto, we, we address that. Um, and then the 5G is going to enable things like augmented reality, uh, supported training, uh, immersive VR engagement scenarios. We're already working with some of our DoD partners to, to look at, look at uh, how that could affect and enhance you know, their ability to train. Uh, autonomous UAV monitoring to get into an artificial intelligence uh, aspect here, which relies on you know, a, a lot of data being passed around. So with the 5G, we, you know, we can pass that data, we have the bandwidth. And then with our State Department colleagues, you know, they, they, they have their departments you know, dispersed across you know, the world. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so the way we're addressing those requirements is by leveraging our, uh, you can do 5G uh, private, which means you can you can stand it up in a building or in a, mm-hmm. in a campus, uh, and uh, and then and then that would then leverage uh, to provide a service as well as uh, going through the the network uh, to get to the resources. So that's what Verizon is focused on. A lot of priorities in uh, in the coming year. It sounds like. All right, we're gonna we're gonna start wrapping it up here, Nick. You're gonna do a combo platter. You're gonna give me. Uh, a quick top priority, and then paint a picture of the future. What does it look like as you all look over the horizon there in regards to where Snowflake is? Yeah, thanks, Luke. Uh, so our priority is to bring Snowflake and all of our technology to bear for the federal government. There's a lot of small uh, dots in that, a lot of bullets, but uh, primarily, you know, win the fight for FedRAMP moderate and get that on our on our plaque uh, and immediately move into high, uh, IL-4, IL-5, and, and hopefully, uh, uh, you know, all the way up to C2S and, and SC2S. Um, as far as the future for us, um, we really want to bring collaboration to the federal government. We're in most of the major regions and clouds that they're in. Azure government, AWS GovCloud here, hopefully by the end of the year, AWS, GCP, and Azure commercial clouds. So enabling our different government partners to meet the intent of HR 1770, the Open Government Data Act, uh, share that data with the public, but also with each other to make the government more effective, more efficient, and, and of course, to make the DOD more lethal. That's uh, what Snowflake wants. Outstanding. Habib, let's throw it over to you. What does the future look like in regards to ACA? Um, yeah, I think, I think we see three things. Um, increased interoperability uh, with the software ecosystem out there and continuing to grow that. Uh, I think we're headed towards uh, increased automation and being able to standardize and programmatically affect some of the changes we've talked about throughout the program. Um, and I know one big uh, theme for us is achieving a true passwordless scenario. So that you no compromise in security, but we know who the user is and we can let them in with as frictionless an experience as possible. So at the end of the day, right, make the easy stuff easy and make the hard stuff possible. Sounds pretty simple. I'm sure it's a lot more complex than that. Uh, Joe, you talked about 5G, you talked about micro segmentation. What's it look like around the corner over the hill, so to speak? Uh, what's, uh, what's cooking over there in the, in the labs at Verizon? Again, I mentioned, you know, you mentioned 5G. We have different uh, bandwidth segments that we can deploy to to address the needs of the customer. So, and, and that that's ready today. It's being deployed out across you know the cities. We have some of our army uh, teams that are and the DoD teams that are you know, deploying 5G technology. I think the edge technology is really going to make a, ma- a major impact in addressing the latency, which will allow customers to to expand even more. Uh, their IT infrastructure to the cloud and, and not have the you know, and not not worry with with uh, latency. I, I, and with our GSA partner Ashley, I wanted to you know with the the FedRAMP prospect. We we have definitely seen that being a smoother process than than it uh, than it had you know than it had been. So we're working with our our customers to to get uh, move move things through. We have we do have FedRAMP high for some technologies and you know different ones of our solutions are at different levels of FedRAMP. It does certainly seem like uh, a lot of uh, agencies are drifting towards a, a FedRAMP high type requirement these days. I'm sure, Ashley, you're seeing a lot of that. Uh, we just heard about that from the State Department. You're seeing that uh, across a lot of the civilian agencies, certainly over at DOD, uh, in regards to their their uh, their environments. 
Uh, why don't you give us a, uh, a picture of the future, right? You are, <clears throat> you guys are working on a whole bunch of stuff over there right now that you're going to land. Hey, what does it look like in a couple of years? What's the anticipation mm -hmm. once you get all this automation in place, et cetera, take a lot of these ideation ideas and implement them. What's that experience and your anticipation sort of your goal in a couple of years? Uh, you know, what does it feel like then? Sure. So, I mean, today we have about, you know, are on the cusp of 200, you know, authorized cloud products uh, within the FedRAMP marketplace. And really, it's my dream to just see that number exponentially grow year after year, you know, through our automation efforts, bringing the community together to work together, um, through the training and guidance that we're providing to agencies and cloud service providers. Um, so, I mean, when we, when we can authorize more of these cloud service providers to work with federal agencies and, and come through, you know, FedRAMP's, you know, front door, we make it easier for other agencies to reuse uh, uh, those security uh, authorization materials and, and, and modernize their technology. So when agencies modernize, they can fill their, their missions and faster and more effectively. And um, FedRAMP, we want to we wanna be an enabler of that and um, continue receiving feedback from our stakeholders, improving where we can, and really focusing on driving that, those authorization timelines down. Right, and I, I think that's uh, music to a lot of people's ears. I know every year it gets better and better. You come up with continual creative uh, ways to do that. And, uh, you know, uh, keep fighting the good fight in regards to uh, uh, implementing, get from 200 to 400 to 1,000, right? I think that's what everyone would love to see. Karen, how about over at State Department? What's that look like if I'm trying to export some, some technology and uh, maybe it's real sensitive technology. Perhaps it is. I know you deal with a lot of that. Uh, what does that look like in a couple of years as far as user experience? Well, I think that, um, you know, it, it really starts with this data sharing because if we can data share effectively with other government agencies, then we can do a lot better in terms of quickly uh, adjudicating these licenses because everybody has to weigh in on whether or not a license gets adjudicated. And so I, I envision this world where all government agencies um, can do a better job of sharing their data and we can seamlessly and securely share the data. Cloud agnostic, what won't matter, you know, what, what cloud you're using and everyone has access to everything they need across the government to meet the mission. And what that means to the industry is that they can get that service more quickly and we can compete in this global marketplace um, in, in terms of, um, you know, what we work with, which is things on the United States munitions list. But this, this is broadly based. It, it matters to everything. And, and our ability to, to share this data and, and to get data more quickly and to interact with our customer more quickly and, and more effortlessly, you know, and, and, the, the idea of this frictionless experience that Habib talked about, um, and and Okta, you know, is sort of the first piece of this for us. It is it has been game changing the ability to just get in and have access to what you need, um, and and so I just see more of that, um, more of that kind of frictionless, seamless experience, but still having the security that is so important. Sure, that great user experience that everyone is looking for, right? No matter if you're seeking any kind of a benefit or trying to export, you know, sensitive technology, et cetera. Paul, what does the future look like for the Army? If, uh, if, uh, if we're looking at this in a couple of three years, uh, what does it look like in regards to enabling cloud capabilities for the, uh, for the warfighter? 
Uh, well, Luke, we really have uh, a strategic vision for how we're going to be leveraging cloud and we capture it in our ability to deliver digital overmatch to the United States Army. Uh, and that really means that uh, the Army is masters at the ability to compete and win in a digital age. And we codify that in uh, being better armed, uh, more skillful and stronger than our adversaries uh, and your peer competitors. Uh, and we capture that in six really strategic objectives uh, that we articulate in the cloud plan. Uh, but the first and foremost is to accelerate data-driven uh, decision-making. And this means that we need to know precisely all data, uh, where it's being created, what value it could provide, our ability to access it securely, uh, that those that should have it can get it and those that shouldn't uh, cannot. Um, and we also need to have the ability to be able to then decrease our time to field solutions, right? So the information that we glean from that, uh, that data, uh, what if that uh, begets essentially a new capability that needs to be delivered? Uh, we need to be able to decrease our time to field solutions. The third being is therefore the security accreditation process has to become optimized and modernized uh, and automated, quite frankly, uh, in order for us to uh, have uh, guardrails that we establish where anything that meets a given threshold can move into operations uh, and do so securely uh, and be able to be managed uh, in that operational environment so it provides the value that it needs. The fourth being is that we need to reestablish, as I said before, the core competency of cloud design principles. A lot of the opportunity of the cloud uh, that Habib talked about of applications in various environments and data in other environments is, uh, that's a design challenge. You have to understand the, uh, the value and the opportunity of those various technologies uh, and use the right tool for the right job. Uh, and if we don't have that core competency, then we're not gonna be able to do that. Um, the fifth being is designing software and really our processes to be adaptive. Uh, we've learned this from COVID is that what we think is the case may not be the case tomorrow. And so uh, how, how are we designing ourselves, our organizations, our processes, and even our technology to be resilient and adaptive to this ever dynamic world? Um, and then finally, the six is our ability to be, be accountable to ourselves. Uh, we have taxpayers that we need to be uh, accountable to and how we're being most effective and efficient for the mission that we've been charged to deliver, uh, but also the really kind of the the resources that we've been given and entrusted with uh, to deliver that value uh, efficiently. So those are our six objectives and what we see uh, as our strategic uh, vision moving forward. Great way to wrap it up. I wanna thank our guests today for taking the time out of their busy schedules to join us for the program. I'd like to thank our sponsors for supporting us on this show. I'd like to thank the good people here at Federal News Network that make our program so successful and enjoyable. And most of all, I'd like to thank you, the listening audience out there that tune in every month. You've been listening to the Federal Executive Forum, part of the Federal News Network. Thank you for listening to the 2020 Federal Executive Forum series on Federal News Network, proudly celebrating 15 years. This show was produced by the Trezza Media Group. If you missed any portion of this show, you can listen to the show in its entirety and on demand at federalnewsnetwork.com.